Welcome to Radio Avnet. Welcome to Avnet's Distributing Wisdom podcast, where the brightest minds in the electronic components industry examine the many ways that distribution drives innovation. Our industry has evolved and grown significantly, so we're bringing together leaders who can share their wisdom as we tackle today's unique challenges and examine how our past is driving our future. On this season of Distributing Wisdom, we'll be bringing together experts from across the electronic components industry, including Avnet, to discuss how they're currently tackling the challenges we face today. I'm your host, Heather Vanna. On today's episode, we host a critical discussion on why every department within an organization is now responsible for supply chain agility and the changing strategies around addressing the current complications within the supply chain. Our first guest today is Joe Marie Skirtovich, Global Vice President of Program Management and Operations for Abnet United and Velocity. Hello, Joe. Tell us a little bit about your role at Abnet. I have been with the company coming up on 25 years. My current role is with the Avnet United Velocity Operations Group, and I'm the Global Vice President supporting operations for both organizations. Avnet United is more the traditional contract manufacturer teams supporting multiple end customers, the top seven contract manufacturers within Avnet. And uh, Avnet Velocity is more of the uh, research and development team looking to find new revenue streams for Avnet and doing some of those uh, non-traditional supply chain engagements, specifically with customers that you don't normally see engaging in the distribution field. Yeah, thanks, Joe. So can you tell me a bit more about the changing dynamics that you've seen in these logistics and supply chain organizations, especially as they've responded to the disruptions that have occurred over the past few years? So supply chain has now become the forefront of every conversation for every company, industry, and even possibly age group. So just a funny example, I was out having lunch with my six-year-old niece and they were out of the soup of the day and she looked at me and said, Aunt Joe, it's a supply chain issue. So if a six-year-old recognizes that there is a massive shift in what we're calling supply chain, it's just forefront news. We are seeing companies that you would have never have thought needed semiconductors that now require a semiconductor in their product. For example, a Glade plug-in, you'll see semiconductors in. They even show it in their commercial. So the disruption with COVID has not only made people stay at home and want to go buy new TVs, appliances, which has very much taxed the, the market and all these industries, but you'll also see now an automotive supply, an automotive OEM will want to have full visibility into their supply chain because they can no longer tell their stockholders that they cannot deliver the revenue because an $80,000 truck is sitting on the lot and it needs a $3 semiconductor to finish the build. So it is dramatically shifting in the way the world looks at how we get products to market and products to the shelves. Thanks, Joe. That's that's a great anecdote about your niece. And it certainly shows how the supply chain has moved from the background into the forefront of people's minds. So shifting to more of a practical question, 
how are you addressing this conversation with customers and what recommendations are you making to them as well? It took a little while for customers to, what I'm going to say, settle down. So the first six months, there was this mass hysteria as there was in every industry because people couldn't get their product. And they thought by whoever yelled the loudest, that was going to resolve the problem. Because in the past in allocated markets, that's how the problems would have been resolved. Today, we're having to have discussions with customers about planning and not just planning for your current build, but planning four to five years out because there is less capacity at the fabs than there ever was because the demand for semiconductors is so great. So we're having to bridge the conversation of you may only get 80% of what you deem to be your need for this period. So you have to plan accordingly. We're telling them, work with the suppliers. Start those conversations with suppliers to get your place in line earlier. Talk about, you know, with your distribution partner or whomever it may be, making sure you have a buffer inventory or you have a a safety stock, something that you can fall back on when you do have those drop-ins and your demand spikes. It's um, very important that OEMs are planning and they're thinking about four to five years out and what's that going to look like. We talk a lot with our customers about what their current forecasts are and to be able to lock their forecast in for at least six months and prepare them for clear to builds. And I I truly believe that with the planning, the golden school phenomenon will eventually work its way out and we'll see, you know, production getting back to what we're going to consider our new normal. So what have you seen as the most drastic difference from an organizational standpoint between pre and post pandemic supply chain strategies and management? It's truly an all play in the organization. It's no longer a buyer being responsible for one device, but rather everybody from the CEO all the way down to the person who prepares the shipments to go out the door, they need to be involved in the supply chain and the management of that supply chain. Finance to me is the most important group in any organization that needs to understand the supply chain. There is an investment that has to be made in order for companies to not get themselves in the situation they were during the COVID period. They are going to have to invest in inventory. They're going to have to invest in infrastructure. It's, it's an all play in that regard, including the HR world. They need to understand that the types of workers have to be multifaceted and be able to do multiple jobs so that when business is ebbing and flowing, there's the ability to reassign their current workforce to other jobs. Um, I believe that an entire organization needs to understand how their company's supply chain flows not maybe to the in-depth of a supply chain manager, but the financial team needs to understand the financial impact, not just short-term, but long-term of their investments. That's a lot of different stakeholders to manage and some with potentially competing interests over the short and long-term. So can you talk a bit more about how you manage that tension between those short and long-term strategies? So currently the short-term strategy is to recoup, right? As many dollars as companies can based on what they lost during the COVID period. 
there is no discussion around, again, just from what I am seeing, the, the longer term. What happens in three years when there's a lot of inventory in the market? What happens to the finance team that says, Today, they've got to recoup profits and they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that they do that, whether that's putting inventory in place, putting people in place. But in three to five years, possibly when there's too much inventory in the market, what is that that finance organization? How, how do they uh, react then? Because they're going to be trying to please shareholders, whereas the issue still will be if we get rid of the inventory and get rid of the people, will we go back to the same situation we had during COVID? It's very difficult. A lot of corporations will meet with customers and the buyers and the supply chain organization are in the room and they very much are like, we need buffer inventory. We need 90 days inventory. You know, We need it in multiple regions throughout the world. And the, the finance team will come in and say, well, wait a minute, how much is this going to cost us? There are so many competing groups inside of organizations based on what folks are being graded on, right? It's a cost-benefit analysis. So we've talked about the personnel side of things, but let's talk a bit more about the future of what the supply chain looks like. Are there opportunities for the industry to leverage technology to fill some of the gaps in what we've learned over the past few years? 150%. Customers want to be able to see their information 24 by 7 and make a decision on the spot, whether it be on their phone, on their tablet, or their laptop. They want to be able to work anywhere in the world to be able to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. So AI, machine learning, all of those technologies, though I don't believe they will ever replace a fully replace a human being because you do have to have that ability to collaborate with somebody and and build relationships with them. Those are going to help bridge the gap between working with somebody who may be in Asia and you may be sitting in Phoenix, Arizona. It's going to give everybody the ability to really manage their own destiny with uh, the supply chain and seeing exactly where things are at and how they can either get to market faster or slow down production. Because there there is a glut in the market of, of too many dryers, washing machines, refrigerators, TVs, whatever it may be. So any emerging technologies that's going to help somebody make decisions in a very quick manner, that to me is, is going to be very, very important. And that ability to provide those accurate forecasts has certainly become a key competitive differentiation. So how do you see that playing out from a competitive standpoint? I don't think anybody will ever get to a completely accurate forecast. A forecast is always going to be a best guess of of anything. What I truly believe is suppliers are going to push not just a distributor, but the end customers to review those forecasts more often than what they have in the past, right? I I think that during the COVID period, there was this massive panic and double pipelines could have been placed. People were doing things to try to secure supply wherever they could. And, And we're starting to see it today where we will have suppliers request the end customer review their forecast multiple times because they don't believe the demand is real. And when you have lead times at 72 weeks, is the demand real? 72 weeks is a long time for somebody to say, 
yes, I'm 100% sure I'm going to need this product. Well, thank you again, Jo Marie. Did you have any final thoughts around what leaders in the supply chain industry should be thinking about when it comes to organizational planning to support the supply chain strategies of the future? I think three to five years out. It's not always about the current market. They have to be prepared to what will happen or those what-if scenarios. Even running what-if scenarios, I know we have a few customers that like to run some what-if scenarios, and I'm always fascinated by that. And be prepared for the risks. There's lots of things that are going to happen in the world that we are just not going to be prepared for. But if we could mitigate that risk by at least 50% by being prepared. And I also truly believe recruiting um, in the HR field in the HR sector is going to be important. Recruiting young supply chain professionals that though they may be out of school for a year or two, letting them take their book knowledge and applying some real world scenarios and giving them the ability to problem solve. After you've been in the industry for so long, you think in in a certain way or, or problem solve in a certain fashion, and you sit down with some of these young people and you really start to think in a different way, or they show you how to use technology in a different way. Things that we just hadn't thought about before. Our next guest is Brian Whitlock, Senior Director and Analyst at Gartner. Brian will provide some additional insight into the conversations that supply chain leaders are having around improving supply chain agility and visibility. Hi, Brian. Thank you for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Thanks. My name is Brian Whitlock, and I've been with Gartner now for about two years. My background is in leading global logistics, transportation, and trade teams, primarily for the high-tech industry. And at Gartner, I work in their logistics practice, and I support clients and talk about everything from logistics strategy and trade management, org design, to 3PL management, contracting, and any number of other questions within the logistics practice. So thanks for having me today. Thank you, Brian. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. To kick us off... What are some of the different approaches you're seeing when it comes to addressing the challenges that we've experienced within the supply chain over the past few years? What's going to last and how is that changing organizations? You know, Heather, logistics organizations have always had a need to be agile. So being agile isn't new to logistics organizations. They operate in physical uh, global world where disruptions have become commonplace. And certainly in the past two years, these disruptions were magnified through compounding, right? So every every disruption occurred and logistics organizations were never really able to recover before the next one happened. So the last two years have been extremely challenging for logistics leaders. And now they're gonna need to start to pivot. You know, as we move away from uh, COVID caused disruptions to some of the new things that we're gonna start facing uh, later this year and into 2023, primarily around you know, recessionary pressures, some of the the things that logistics leaders are going to have to do differently. So can you talk a bit more concretely about some of the future challenges and the current challenges that logistics leaders are facing when going through this shift? Well, as, as we know, in the last 24 months, we've seen anything and everything from, you know, severe labor shortages, weather and natural disasters, 
supply constraints, very tight capacity and, and warehouse availability, as well as extremely high cost, you know, four, five, 10x in some cases, right? What, what logistics leaders typically pay. And many of these disruptions are, are still in play today and will continue, right? Things like weather and natural disasters are accelerating and cybersecurity attacks, all, all of these things will continue and they'll most likely continue to accelerate. So logistics leaders really have big challenges, even including COVID lockdowns. I mean, we'd like to think COVID's behind us, but many of the challenges we see in the past, uh, logistics leaders are going to continue to face. And, and as we know, because of all of these challenges, logistics leaders have never had this much C-suite exposure. CFOs and CEOs know more about their company's logistics operations than ever before. And they recognize the critical role that logistics plays in their business. But the next six to 12 months is going to offer even more challenges. Because while the last two years have really been about securing capacity and executing business plans at any cost, that's going to change. And as we enter more recessionary-like conditions, the C-suite is going to be looking for all of those things that they looked for in the last two years. But now they're also going to be pulling the lever on, on cost reduction right, and driving operating costs uh, down from their highs of the last uh, couple of years. So as these disruptions increase and the need for C-suite visibility increases, what are some of the new skills that these logistics leaders and supply chain leaders have had to develop? Yeah, the skill sets for logistics organizations is definitely changing. Certainly, you know, better planning has been critical for logistics organizations. And, and this remains a big gap. You know, how do they translate SNP plans into real logistics and transportation execution plans? You know, they tend to do a good job of forecasting long-term, but, you know, how, how do they plan for uh, next week, tomorrow, even this afternoon? So when we talk about skill sets, you know, certainly digital is going to be a big part of, of any logistics organization's long-term strategy in order to get better visibility and control of, of logistics functions. And it needs to include real-time visibility tools, global network mapping, you know, data and analytics, and not only analysis of past events, but also the ability to start predicting the future and even modeling. Really, that's going to require significant upskilling and training of staff to improve digital competencies. Absolutely. And as I'm sure you know, we've seen some positive outcomes as a result of logistics leaders honing these new skills. So can you talk about some of the ways in which those leaders can retain that positive momentum, especially as the world enters more of a cost-cutting mindset? You know, while logistics organizations have had this great exposure to the C-suite, as we move forward, you know, there's a real risk that, that logistics leaders kind of fall back into their traditional operational support roles, and they lose the leverage they've acquired over the past couple of years. And so, you know, if you think about logistics prior to COVID, logistics organizations were almost looked at as a utility, right? When you flip the switch, the light comes on. They were highly reliable to execute, deliver. Now logistics leaders need to do the following to kind of maintain this momentum and keep this level of exposure with the C-suite. First, they need to reinforce the fundamentals of people, process, and technology. They need to ensure that they're operating at the highest level possible. Second, they need to ensure that their technology investments continue to move forward and that they have a plan that supports not only incremental improvement, but also transformational change. 
And third, they need to build plans and strategies to increase customer value. So whether that be through things like supply chain as a service or sustainable solutions or digital at scale, logistics organizations really need to understand how they can create greater value for their clients and their customers. Excellent points, Brian, especially around that notion of continued investment in transformative technology, even in times of economic disruption. I think one of the key aspects of that dynamic are the strong relationships that logistics leaders have built with their peers throughout these recent disruptions. Can you talk a bit more about how logistics leaders can improve upon and maintain those critical relationships? You know, if we think about the last couple of years, what I'll say is that many shippers, you know, the challenges caused by the pandemic really uncovered the fact that most of them weren't considered a shipper of choice by their three PLs. So where they thought they had great relationships, they tended to be more localized, right? And it really led to significant shortfalls in cost and service loss. As a result, companies learned that they need to leverage their 3PL capabilities because that's critical to, to their success. And, and given that most, if not all, logistics operations are outsourced, 3PL relationships, their capabilities and their investments really become a key part of a logistics uh, strategy. And 3PLs have made huge investments in, in technology, service expansion, and geographic coverage. And M&A has certainly accelerated in the past couple of years. So 3PLs have also taken on more direct control of transportation to support their clients by running charters or employing their own assets. And these are key levers that companies really need to use to build a logistics strategy that best serves their customers. At the end of the day, logistics organizations need to elevate their levels of relationships and they need to have executive level relationships as well as those local operational level relationships. And they need to underpin this with a really robust SRM process so that they can ensure that you know, the mutual opportunities for investment and growth exist for both companies. Thanks, Brian. Can you speak a bit more to the relationships between the folks handling logistics side of things and those that are handling the supply chain side of things? What are the intricacies involved in those relationships? That's really a critical connection, right? The logistics function connected to SNOP, SNOE, or procurement or planning. And like I said earlier, you know, these are areas where logistics organizations really have opportunities to improve and build upon their capabilities. And they need to be working with the internal collaborators, if you will, inside their business to build out much stronger capabilities in order to improve their execution. And like I said, one of those is how do they translate planning, right? SNOP into better uh, capabilities and planning tools for the logistics side of the business. I want to thank both Joe Marie and Brian again for taking the time to discuss the important dynamics around supply chain agility. To learn more about distributing wisdom and to read more about this topic, please visit avnet.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time.